You know, Jimikutsu, who challenged the draft based on the government's changing his citizenship status. We have Mitsuye Endo, who challenged the constitutionality of incarceration and refused to leave so that her case could be heard at the Supreme Court. And we have Hiroshi Kashiwagi, who refused to sign a loyalty oath demanded by the United States government and then renounced his United States citizenship under pressure. And he's my uncle. My dad and his family were incarcerated at Dewey Lake. And that's where my aunt had originally met uh, my uncle. People like to talk about Pearl Harbor as the inciting incident for the incarceration. But a lot of historians now say that the incarceration was really the culmination of decades of anti-Japanese sentiment and in some cases, violence, anti-Japanese legislation. And so the incarceration then really was just a chance to kind of capitalize on all of those things after Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. Are these stories of incarceration, are these stories that those who were incarcerated don't talk about much? Is it something they don't like talking about? Or is it something that uh, is it the exact opposite of that, where they uh, wish more people knew what it was really like? Again, it varies. For a long time, the first and second generations, the Issei and the Nisei, did not like to talk about it at all. It was so it felt so shameful, so traumatic. They'd been in jail, <laughs> right? And they a lot of them didn't necessarily know why they had been incarcerated. And those who did, did the, the very best just to survive, right? When a lot of them left camp with very little to return to. I think those who are younger survivors who were perhaps born in the camps feel, I think, emboldened by things like the redress movement and the civil rights movement to talk about their legacies and the legacy of camp, but especially things that have happened lately, but also in the last you know 20 years or so, people have felt more supported in coming forward with their stories of how traumatic camp was and to try and ensure that it never happens again to anyone else. Um, one thing that you had mentioned earlier was that a lot of people associate uh, the incarceration uh, uh, with the bombing of Pearl Harbor, but you said that, you know, it really stems from decades of, mm-hmm. you know, anti-Japanese sentiment. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how relative that is to current times where we're seeing, you know, this awful, you know, hate against Asian Americans right now. This didn't just start in 2020. We're dealing with probably the same thing where it's decades and it's just Mm -hmm. more visible now. Is that fair? That is absolutely fair. Yes. There are heightened attacks on our elders. and, And some of them are those, right, who are frightened, who experienced camp themselves, In the larger Asian American community, we're talking about folks who are refugees, folks who experienced genocide at home, but then have come here to experience things like racial profiling and surveillance, the China virus rhetoric, the Muslim travel ban, family separation at the border. So many of these things still exist today. The camp still is with us very much. So, Well, can we talk about that a little bit more? I mean, the timing of this book seems... (laughs) It seems really relevant, obviously, you know, um, and I'm wondering what from the book, what kind of takeaways can people who read this have and apply it to what's going on and what they're at least seeing right now? 
a lot of what I hope that people take away from this is that so many of our actions for today can have long lasting repercussions on the people who we are incarcerating, who we are vilifying, and that can last for decades. There is intergenerational trauma in the making today and it needs to stop. Yeah. I think the other thing that I would love for folks to know about is that Japanese Americans were not tragic passive victims of incarceration. Not only did people re refuse and resist on levels like at Akutsu and Endo and Kashiwagi, but there were also mass protests. There was organizing. There were petitions done by uh, first generation Issei mothers to the president. There were hunger strikes. They were not necessarily the tragic victims that perhaps the photos of Dorothea Lange would have us accept. Working on this book has reminded me of the human stakes of incarceration. That's not just, you know, sepia photos from the past, right? This is my family history. This is my community history. And I want people to know just how long that history lasts <laughs> and how relevant it is to today. For example, when the Muslim travel ban broke out, one of my first emotions was a deep sense of apology <laughs> to my community and my ancestors and just thinking, I'm so sorry, we have not done enough to make sure this could not happen again. And of course, you know, my generation was not necessarily responsible for ending things like anti-Asian racism, but I felt this deep sense of anger and a deep sense of hoping to contribute to the social justice work that's happening today around issues that, again, we have inherited from camp history. 